Hi, I'm Charles. Hi, I'm Bailey. And you are listening to Hold Me, I'm Scared. Welcome to Hold Me, I'm Scared. This week, we are talking about demonic possession. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Um, I'm not going to lie. I... I haven't got so many chills looking up a topic before. Did you experience that? Yeah. Yeah, I did a lot of research, as you know, because I changed my topic like five (laughs) times. She sent me so many times. I think it was like three or four times. I'm going to do this. Wait, is that possessed enough? No. Okay, I'm actually going to change it to this. Yeah, I'm dedicated to the content. But it didn't end there. She said, I'm actually going to change it to this. Yeah. This. Yeah, I changed it several times. So I spent a lot of time reading about hauntings and possessions. And I I was sitting on my couch at one point and I just felt the sensation of someone watching me. (laughs) I was so scared. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I was like trying not to look at the space. Like there's that little cutout that I can see into my kitchen. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to like recordings of supposedly possessed people. And I was trying so hard not to like look over there. And then like, I would see like a twinkle of light yeah, or something. And it would make me look. Yeah. This is something that um, actually like freaks me out. I am, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm not as scared after I started looking more into my stories. Well, do you have some facts and figures to start us off? I sure do. So, in fact, a 2012 poll found that 57% of Americans believe in demonic possession, while 68% believed in angels and demons. Where do you fall? So, I... I don't know. Like, you and I were both raised very religious, so we grew up being told that angels and demons were real and that demonic possession was a real thing. When I, when I was a kid, um, one of my friend's older brothers told me that he watched The Exorcist and that after he watched it, every night at 3 a.m., birds would start, like, chirping really loudly outside of his window and weird stuff would just keep happening until he threw the movie away. And I like looking back on it, I think he might have just been trying to scare me. But also, I have never watched The Exorcist <laughs> because I'm kind of afraid to. I never have either, but that's because my mom saw it when she was a teenager and it scared her so bad. And she said that we weren't ever allowed to watch it. Maybe we should watch it together. So I think that it would be foolish to assume that there's nothing beyond... The realm of what we can see. I am no longer religious, but I'm still like super freaked out by the idea of demons. I think I still believe in all the bad parts. Like, I I just, I think that there, there is a chance that something is coming for me. (laughs) And it's me with a knife. What about you? So I... I do have some more interesting facts on this, but I, okay. I agree with, I, 
like I think we're sort of the same where I I think that there is something in the spiritual realm. I think there is a spiritual realm and I think there are good and bad parts to it, whether that is angels and demons or uh, lost souls, some who are a lot angrier than others and maybe that anger eventually the anger eventually consumes them and they become like a demonic type thing. Mm. I don't know, maybe somewhere around there. Or, I mean, also, I also think it would be foolish to think that there's only us here and there's only ever been us here. Yeah. So perhaps before we got here, there were other things here that had more malintent that are more ancient than still around. Ooh, yeah, like like ancient dark spirits. That's your Tinder bio. <laughs> Angry dark spirit. Angry dark spirit. I don't know. I just think I've had like weird paranormal experiences. I used to have them a lot when I was a kid. Like I went to school and I was telling all my friends about my angels because I had these two figures that would sit above my bed and talk. Wait, you never told me this. <laughs> Why haven't you ever told me this? We've been friends for this long and you haven't told I me this? I thought I told you. No. So, yeah, when I was a kid, I thought that everyone had angels because I had these two figures that would sit above my bed and talk to each other. But now that I know that that's not a common experience, I don't know what they were and that freaks me out a little bit girl i don't know i that's cool but i i don't know i why have you i can't this whole time do i even know you well, who are I, you i told you about stuff though like i it got to a point where it kind of freaked me out knowing things or like we had a mutual friend and i went to her house and i was like oh you had a really unhappy childhood wait a mutual friend of us? Yeah. Who? You, do you want to bleep out her name? Yeah, I can just bleep it out. Oh, you just met her and you said... I went to her house because she invited me over and I didn't know anything about her childhood, but I walked in and I go, oh, you had a really unhappy childhood. And there was nothing, no like pictures, nothing indicated that you just felt it? Yeah, like when I walked in, I just, I had, I have this thing that happens to me. Well, not anymore because it started freaking me out. So I kind of like. Just let it go. I've heard very similar stories of people having great intuition or psychic gifts and they just don't want it. So they ask for it to be taken away. I didn't ask. I just stopped listening. Like I stopped listening <laughs> because it just. Because I would feel something and then I'd just say it. Um, <laughs> what did you feel and... when you met me? You were like, wow, gay for sure. Yeah. Meanwhile, I was like, what, what did I first tell you? I was like, I know it's wrong. And I, I'll eventually, I think you got the version that was, I know it's wrong and it's a struggle and I'm working, like, I'm working to get rid of it. Is that the yeah. version you remember? We were in my car. I guess homosexuality was the demon that possessed you well we'll get into that in a minute oh, no. um so a little bit more of the facts and figures i did do a little bit of research as to what 
other religions classify demons or demonic possession as. So with Judaism, while demons exist in the Jewish religion, they are seen as agents of God rather than satanic followers seen in Christianity. Isn't that interesting? I didn't know that. So God's sending the demons. In Christianity, we, you know, both of us done been new that it is the devil and his fallen angels who are the demons and he sends them out to do stuff to people. Catholicism is much more in-depth with possession. There are five aspects of deeming a possession worthy to be exercised. The five types of possession are obsession, which includes sudden attacks of obsessive thoughts. Okay, so number two is oppression, which is terrible circumstances happening to a person or their family or their wealth. Third is external physical pain caused by Satan or demons. Four is infestation, which affects houses, objects, things. So think Annabelle. Five is subjection, which a person voluntarily sentences himself to Satan or a demon. And most commonly, they will look for signs of manifestation of superhuman strength, speaking in tongues or different languages that they don't know previously, knowing secrets or hidden knowledge from them that they wouldn't normally know, or blasphemous rage, obscene hand gestures using profanity, aversion to holy symbols. That's a big one. And Buddhism really takes possession as metaphorical. So think emotions like greed, they called it the klesamara, or death itself, uh, the metaphor for the entirety of conditioned existence, or the possession of just desire. Medicine and psychology refers to demonic possession as not a thing, and most likely says that it is a mental illness, such as schizophrenia, uh, DID, Tourette syndrome, epilepsy, things of that nature. Um, what could the devil promise you to get you to voluntarily submit to him? Ooh. I mean, I hate to be basic. <gasps> Ooh, maybe if I could ask for multiple things, then it would be not only my success in my endeavors, my career, but what is the competition of women? They're pretty. It's a pageant. Miss America. Miss America. There you go. I would have to say Satan. World peace. So Bailey, what would the devil need to give to you in order for you to make a deal? Like a latte. Bailey, you would not. <laughs> you. <laughs> You would not for a latte. No, I don't know that I would in like period. I think I think I'm too scared to be honest. I look, I feel like the devil is smarter than I am, okay? Well, Which is not saying a lot. But I Who is it? I <laughs> I won't sign a contract with someone that I know like that their whole thing is to fuck people over. Because that's usually how it goes, right? Right. Well, and that's the, in the Christian way of telling, yes, the devil is a trapper and a sneaker and a midnight toker. So he will give you what you want, but ultimately, like, screw you over. 
I may, I would consider it for like true magical powers. I would consider it. I don't know that I would fully go through with it. I don't know that I have the guts, but like to be truly magical, right? To like be able to shoot fireballs and read people's minds and like, I don't know. All right, should we go on to our stories? Yeah, I can give you a little segue. Or was that the segue? It was going to be, but sure, you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) So Bailey, you have a story for us? I do. Um, So I am telling uh, the story of Arnie Johnson and David Glotzel. Um, So my sources were Demonicpedia, discovered that (laughs) this weekend, (laughs) highly recommend, Um, an all things interesting article by Margot Margaritoff. Oh, hey, I think that's where I got one of mine from. Oh, Um, the good old Wikipedia. And then because I can't read, um, I also did another show this week. So this is from A Haunting. (laughs) Because I can't read, it's okay. I watched a video. (laughs) <laughs> so it's from A Haunting Season 2, Episode 6, titled Where Demons Dwell. And that's a sim- show that's similar to I Survived in that it's like first-hand accounts. But A Haunting has much more dramatization, so I'm assuming there was some editorializing. Through all these different sources, I've pieced together this story as completely and coherently as I can. Um, because the timeline is different depending on the source. But this is my version. It's the summer of 1980. Arnie Johnson and his fiance, Debbie Glotzel, are in their late teens. And they're moving into a home that they've just leased. And they bring along Debbie's little brother, David. He's like a kid. Not a toddler, but maybe like a preteen. They didn't give me the exact age. Arnie's mom is also going to be moving into this house, but she isn't there on this day. So it's Debbie, Arnie, and little brother David. Uh, Debbie describes the house as her dream house, and she talks about her little brother and says that he's the family teddy bear and just an all-around sweet kid who's like always willing to help out the family. And so the house is kind of a mess, and they have to clean it out, and while Debbie and Arnie are moving stuff in, David's in a bedroom cleaning, and then he suddenly just flies out of the house. Um, when you say flies out of the house, like he ran just like or run, he got... like runs oh, really okay. fast. This isn't supernatural <laughs> yet. So he, he, he runs out of the house. And uh, Debbie and Arnie follow him out, and he says that an old man pushed him. And there's no one else in the house. So they think it's just, yeah, (laughs) so great. Um, Love that for him. Uh, So they think it's just a kid trying to get out of chores and making up a story. So they're like, okay, you know what? You play outside for the rest of the day, whatever, we'll finish moving. So they spend the day cleaning. And then at the end of the day, they go to Debbie and David's mom, Judy's house. And David's still acting kind of off. He is still really terrified, and he describes having visions of the old man, uh, and that the old man is talking to him still. He says that the old man sometimes looks like 
a regular old guy in these visions with a white beard and a flannel and jeans. And sometimes he looks like a beast, <laughs> which I hate. Uh, did they describe the beast? Oh, you bet. <laughs> So he describes the beast as having big black eyes, a thin face with animalistic features, jagged teeth, pointed ears, horns, and hoofs. I mean, at first glance, maybe kind if, of cute. If you, I was going to say, if you tell me you want to fuck this thing. No, no, not that. Just, just pet it. I would not. I'm thinking Beast from like Beauty and the Beast Disney. Okay, but did you listen to the description? I, I did. <laughs> it's clearly I, not that. Well, he had jagged teeth. Okay, I, I'm sure he was a lot scarier than the Beast from he has Beauty and the Beast. Big black vortex eyes and like a gaunt face. Yeah. My mind is trying to save me. He says he has a vision of the old man in the rental house. So he is in, they're at Judy's house, but he can see the old man in the rental house and he said at the rental house there's an animal that's afraid of the old man and it's clawing at the door and he begs debbie and arnie not to move in and at this point it's like very weird it's out of character for david to be telling these fantastical stories but they still don't really believe him because it's just weird and they're not super religious uh they are catholic but they're not super religious and They'd already paid two months' rent, and they didn't want to give up the house. Um, so they're like, you know what? You're fine. Go to bed. Whatever, David. <laughs> How every horror movie starts. I know, right? <laughs> Listen to the children. Um, but the next day, they go back to the rental house to keep cleaning and moving in, and they see scratch marks on the door, almost like an animal was clawing at it. Imagine. Yeah, so they did what you and I would do, and they were like, okay, well, fuck it. We're not moving in here anymore. So they see the scratch marks on the door. They're like, we're out. They start grabbing the stuff they moved in, and they're just like, we're going to sink that two months of rent, and we're going to cut our losses. Well, on their way out, Arnie's mom shows up, and remember, she was going to be moving into that house, too. Oh, yes. And she's pissed. She insists that they stay in the house. She totally doesn't believe that there's anything weird going on and they beg her to leave but she refuses so she moves on in meanwhile david gets worse and worse as the days go by he says that the old man tells him that he's coming for him and that he's really pissed off that david told everyone about him great uh, the family is doing their best to reassure David, and he does have brief periods of normalcy where it seems like maybe it's going to be over, and it was just this weird phenomenon that's going to leave them alone. Um, and one day the family spends this really nice day out together. David doesn't have any visions. It seems like things might be okay. But when they get back home to Judy's, David says he can't go inside because the old man slash beast is in there. At the new place? So no longer. Yeah. So at not, no longer at the rental property. It's at David and Debbie's mom's house, hmm. Judy. So he says he can't go inside because he's now oh, that there. that sucks. It's following him and not in the house. Yes. So Arnie volunteers to go inside into the house first and check it out. 
And he checks it out, doesn't see anyone or anything, and he assures David that it's safe. They all go inside, they put David to bed, but shortly after he starts just screaming. And they all run into his room and he's saying the old man's gonna hurt him. And he says he's gonna hit me. And then he suddenly just buckles like someone punched him in the stomach and he flies onto the floor. And he looks up at his family and tells them that he says he's gonna take my soul. I just imagining hearing this from your child has got to be. I think you have to throw the whole kid away. Yeah, you probably have to return it if they'll let you. I think you can get a refund at most hospitals. Is possession a valid reason for return? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So he, yeah, he looks up at them and tells them he's going to take my soul. And that's when they decide to go to the priest. So Debbie and Judy go to the priest together and they tell him what's been going on and they ask for his help and he suggests that the family lights some candles and gives them holy water to use and tells them to pray but this just seems to make it worse so while they're praying they like put the candles around him and the holy water and they pray and all of a sudden david starts convulsing wildly like he's actively being beaten and he claws at his throat like he's being choked and then scratches and bruises appear on him in the following days so it seems like basically this old man beast ghost demon is just repeatedly kicking this kid's ass the next day after he gets beaten again by this demon uh the priest comes over to bless the house since the candles and the holy water and the praying didn't seem to work and he says it might not be enough just like just like here. hear from a priest uh, i'm gonna do this but it just so you- it might not be enough. So. It might not work, just so you know. At least so. he's honest. Yeah, which we appreciate. Um, so he calls in our favorite couple, Ed and Lorraine <gasps> Warren. Oh, we stand. <laughs> yes. Uh, if anyone doesn't know who Ed and Lorraine Warren are, they are the couple that's the subject of the Conjuring movies. Um, they... We're a real-life couple. Uh, Ed was a demonologist and Lorraine a clairvoyant. Uh, And they are the power couple of demonic investigation. (laughs) Unfortunately, they don't look like Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson. Unfortunately, we don't look like Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson. We look better, (laughs) thankfully. Yes, imagine us as hotter than Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson. That is accurate. (laughs) (laughs) So the priest calls Ed and Lorraine. Lorraine picks up. She's like, this sounds like demonic possession. We'll be there tonight. (laughs) So they show up at the house, and on the way in, Ed trips on the stairs, um, which is relevant. (laughs) But they get in, and Lorraine describes feeling this tremendous tension she is interviewed in the uh tv show so we actually get her first-hand account of this which is pretty cool um and then she said that when david looked up to address her and ed she said it was no longer david you're seeing a creature in a child's body oh <laughs> i don't you're like seeing that a creature in a child's body yeah okay hate that david turns to ed and says 
you tripped coming up the stairs tonight. And Ed is, uh, is like, uh, how did you know that? And he goes, the beast told me. Of course, the beast told you. Which, like, okay, I don't want to pick a fight with the beast. I'm not doing that, okay? I want to make that very clear. If the beast is listening, I'm not picking a fight or challenging you. Wouldn't you tell him something, like, a little cooler? <laughs> right. Maybe the beast is that just that isn't that cool no don't say that he's gonna come oh i'll say it all right well he's not that cool <laughs> tell me something else tell me this hidden knowledge yeah i mean it just seems like a pretty like banal detail uh but it did the trick ed and lorraine were freaked out you know and it d there's no way david should have known that right so ed tries to communicate with the beast through the boy david and he asks David if the beast has any special powers. And David says in this like weird voice, he could throw you out the window right now. <laughs> I wish I had that okay. special power. Ed then tries to provoke the beast to show them a sign. In the reenactment on the TV show, he says like, oh, well, if the beast can do that, then surely he can knock on the door or knock on the cabinets. And nothing happens so he's like oh i guess he can't do it then and then the table starts like violently shaking but it's nice to know that this like demonic entity functions similarly to like a teenage boy right you're just like i double dog dare you to do it oh i guess you can't i guess you're not strong enough man and they're like fuck you they continue to appraise david and on their way out they talk to Judy and Debbie and Arnie and explain that it's David that is haunted, not the house. Like you were saying mm -hmm. earlier, you're right. Mm -hmm. um, the entity has attached itself to him. And they say that they need an exorcism. Uh, they advise a minor, right? So apparently you can do like a minor exorcism. Just a Just little, a little one. one. Uh, that only takes a few weeks to get approval, whereas, like, I, a, like, big exorcism, which can't be the technical term, but a full exorcism that's not a minor right takes months. A major right, perhaps. perhaps. Maybe I should have looked that up, but will I ever do all of the research I need to for this show? No. Wait, can we pause? I'm also going to turn on my light. Oh my god. Well, I'm sorry, but I'm like sitting in the dark while talking about demon possession. So while they're waiting for the exorcism to happen, to get approved, the family starts hearing these strange noises coming from the attic, and David starts hissing and uh, having more convulsions. It seems like he's being physically attacked more and more. He starts speaking in strange voices and quoting from Paradise Lost and the Bible. And at one point, he enters into a trance-like state and tries to stab Arnie. And because he's a child, they're able to stop him. But this is so out of character. David had never been a violent kid. He'd never even been a confrontational kid. It turns out he's actually possessed by multiple demons. And oh. five weeks after the possession began, Priests, a team of priests, bless the house and perform the minor rite. Uh, it would end up taking multiple exorcisms 
And at various points during these exorcisms, which would last for hours, and they would take place on separate days, um, but David would scream and yell, growl, and he even levitated. One other really weird thing that happened during these exorcisms is that he would make psychic predictions. And at one point, he said that Arnie would murder someone in the future. So he would make pretty disturbing predictions. Mm, So this was a process. And um, as these exorcisms were happening during one of them, the demons were once again just like kicking the shit out of David. And Arnie, being a boy in his late teens, or man in his late teens, tells the demons to pick on him and leave his little buddy alone. Oh. Yes. Which anyone who's watched a movie knows you do not do. (laughs) Um, And the Warrens had explicitly told him not to do that. Not to... And of course... And of course... What do they he's do? He's an 18-year-old guy, so he's like, okay, I know that you're the experts. I think I've got this. Later, he is in his car one day getting groceries, um, and the engine starts before you can put his key in the ignition, and it just starts racing, and the doors oh. lock. And he looks up, and there is this tall, black figure standing right in front of his car. And the figure lifts its hand and points to a nearby tree. And the car takes off and slams into the tree. Luckily, Arnie wasn't harmed, but he's pretty freaked out. So uh, he and Debbie go to the priests and tell them what's going on. And after being like, well, Arnie, you know, you shouldn't have asked the demons to attack you because now they're attacking you. They, uh, they're like, here, dumbass, you can take this. And they give him a blessed crucifix to help protect him. Uh, I thought you were about to say crouton. Yes, because that makes sense. You know, I would maybe rather have a blessed crouton than a blessed crucifix, thinking about it. I know, because then it's inside of you. You don't want to eat the crucifix. Oh my God, what if you did, um, you know, communion? Instead of the wafers, what if you got cheese and garlic croutons? croutons. I would go back to church. <laughs> For croutons as the body of Christ. <laughs> the body of Christ. Not with garlic. <laughs> then you're protected from demons and vampires. <laughs> Which, do you know why that is? Garlic and vampires? No. Because ticks and fleas bloodsuckers do not like garlic in our blood they scientific research has shown that that is an aversion to them so blood-sucking creature garlic no go but hasn't that been around since like the medieval times as a superstition did they know about flea and tick food preferences then they've known about garlic garlic and the powers (laughs) of garlic see so it's ancient and holy we should have been giving out garlic croutons from the beginning christians you're missing out on a huge opportunity call me they give arnie the crucifix and so this is uh during the process of exercising david so he's had like he's had the exorcism where arnie challenged the demons but he hasn't 
had all of them yet, so he's still possessed. So Arnie goes home, and David sees the crucifix. And he says in the strange voice, I know where you were, and I know who gave you that. Now, why didn't you give us a strange voice? You can edit it. (laughs) I know where you are, and I know why you gave you I don't remember what it is. And that's why I didn't do it. Well, I I don't have the words, Bailey. When David sees the crucifix, he says, I know where you were, and I know who gave you that. And then the crucifix flies off of Arnie's neck across the room. So there's that aversion to holy objects we were talking about earlier. Oh, yeah, you've covered quite a bit. I know. He's got, he's got everything. This story has everything. So then David starts convulsing. And when he comes back to himself, he tells Arnie and Debbie that that demon old man beast is at the well behind the rental house now. He's gone back there. And that's the portal that he uses to get into their world. Oh. Now, Debbie and Arnie didn't even know there was a well until now. So again, it's this piece of information that nobody should have had that he says. So do you remember who's at the rental house? Uh, Arnie's mother. Yes. So Arnie and Debbie take the holy water and go to the rental house to check on his mom, since apparently the demon has returned to his favorite spot, which is the well in their backyard. And when they get there, the house has been abandoned. Oh, she's not there. No. But they don't know where she is. And we'll never know. <laughs> because I couldn't find out any more information about where she went. She's in that well. But as far as I know, nothing happened to her. Arnie assumed that she got scared and left and didn't tell them because she had made such a big deal of it not being real. And then also, like, they were on bad terms because they'd been fighting about the house. So the house is deserted. And while Debbie checks around the house to see if anything's happened while they've been away, Arnie goes out to find this well. And he finds it under some brush and, like, through some trees in the backyard. And he looks up by the well and sees that dark figure that he saw Mm. when he crashed his car. And he says that the eyes were black pits that drew him in. And he just stood there staring at them like he couldn't look away. So he goes back into the house, but he doesn't remember going back into the house. When he comes, like what he remembers is looking into this demon's eyes and then being back in the house. They go back to Judy's house. So there's Judy, Debbie, Arnie, and David. And um, the exorcisms continue. Did the Warrens just peace out? No, they're still around. So they they took part in the exorcisms. Like, you know, they since we're fans, we know that they don't perform exorcisms because they're not priests. Uh, but they do often, like, supervise them or aid mm-hmm. in them. Uh, so they were there for all three exorcisms. And the ring was the one that said that David had multiple demons inside him and they had to be exercised one by one. And she also was the one who described all of the weird things that happened, like the levitation and the prophecies. So the exorcisms continue. After three exorcisms, David seems to be better and Ed and Lorraine think that he's been cured. Everything's pretty normal for a while. 
it's like that end of the movie <laughs> where <laughs> the sun fi- comes out for the first time and everyone seems fine. Uh, Debbie and Arnie move into a new rental property mm. uh, and that's owned by Debbie's new boss uh, right. named Alan Bono. But there's so, still 30 minutes left in the movie, isn't there? <laughs> there is. <laughs> so after they move into the new rental property, the property with the well, that's, that's over. David's been exercised. They're moving into a new house to continue with their lives. After they move, though, Arnie starts falling into those trance-like states. And then he starts growling and hallucinating and not remembering any of it when he comes back to you. Arnie. So both Debbie, his fiancée, and Lorraine Warren believe that when Arnie provoked that demon during the exorcism, it possessed him. It attached himself to him. On February 16th, 1981, then 19-year-old Arnie stabbed their landlord, Alan Bono, with a five-inch pocket knife during an altercation, killing him. (sighs) Debbie says that during this, he was growling and did not seem to be himself at all. And both she and Lorraine firmly believe that he was possessed. At the time of the stabbing, Arnie had no criminal record at all. And this was also the first murder ever in the hundreds of years long history of Brookfield, Connecticut, where it happened. So Arnie's arrested for the murder and during the trial, his attorney actually tries to plead not guilty by reason of demonic possession. It was the first time in America that this defense has ever been attempted, and he was even prepared to subpoena the priests that had participated in David's exorcisms to attest. (laughs) This judge is like, no. (laughs) Yeah, so he was like, he was going to subpoena the priests that participated to attest to, you know, Arnie provoking these demons and to him being weird afterwards and to the fact that possession is real and possible. Um, but you're right. The judge is like, no, he rejects the defense. He says that it would be impossible to prove and that testimony on possession would be unscientific and therefore entirely irrelevant. So he is convicted of first degree manslaughter in the end. Um, and he's sentenced to 10 to 20 years in prison. He only serves five, uh, while he's in prison, he and Debbie actually get married, and he hasn't had any incidences of violence since uh, he got out. And to this day, there's still a ton of controversy as to the case and a lot of speculation as to whether or not he was actually possessed when it happened. Like I said, Lorraine Warren still is a firm believer that he was. So is his fiance and many members of his family. Um, there are some members of Debbie's family that think that none of it was real, that David was mentally ill and not actually possessed, and that the family has spun this story as a way to capitalize on David's mental illness and to get Arnie out of trouble. Now, this is interesting to me. The church will acknowledge that four priests helped David during a difficult time, 
but will not speak as to whether they performed exorcisms. And a spokesman for the diocese said that no one from the church has confirmed or denied that they were there during the exorcisms and that they will continue to decline to speak on the matter. So he's still alive though, right? I think so. I mean, he was 19 in 1981, so I think he still is. As of the early 2000s, when the haunting episode was produced, he was still living. He tells part of the story. Um, And this story is the inspiration for the 2021 Conjuring 3 that's coming out this year. (laughs) Which I'm so excited for. Um, It's called A Conjuring or it's called Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. I'm excited to watch the movie. Yeah. Uh, but that is the story of the possession of Arnie Johnson and David Glatzel. Wow. All right. Now, it's time. Let's go. So, my story is about the famous Annalise now, this last name, I've heard it said multiple ways, so I'm going to say all of them. Take your pick. This is Annalise Michael Michel. So, this story was the inspiration for The Exorcist of Emily Rose, a famous popular movie that I'm sure you've heard of. So this girl, she's your normal little girl in the 1960s Germany. They're in Bavaria, living their great life. However, I want you to know that in the past, Annalise's mom named Anna, or Anna, had an illegitimate daughter named Martha, which caused her to have to wear a black veil on her wedding day. Um, yeah, Imagine, oh you know, so when their first daughter together was born, Anna encouraged Annalise to atone for her mother's sins through devotion to God. Yeah, uh, Martha died during surgery in 1956. Anna, she felt very responsible for it being an illegitimate child. Oh, so she thinks it was like punishment for having a child out of wedlock. Yes, so that's why she pushed on Annalise to always be very very, uh, pious in Catholicism to atone for her own sins. See, I have enough sins of my own. I would not also want to take on anyone else's. I don't have the space for that. I don't think most people do. I don't know why Anna couldn't just atone for it herself. But yeah, why does it have to fall to your kid? Right, why but can't maybe you atone. You know what? Maybe you shouldn't have to atone at all for just having a child. I mean, I'm just saying that's a whole other discussion. Christians, we're... call me. I want to talk to you about the croutons and, and about the problems with women. Can you throw in a couple other things in there too? <laughs> and. Does it have to be red wine? Because it gives me a headache. And if I'm going to come back for the croutons, I'd like to wash it down with something that's a little better. Not so vinegary. Okay. I was thinking like transphobia, but sure. Right. Oh, and the be, wine. Be, nice. be nicer to the gays. 
<laughs> and gay adjacents. Annalise grew up devoutly Catholic, as we know, in the 1960s, where she attended Mass twice a week. She was a good, regular Catholic girl. When she was 16, though, she suddenly blacked out at school and began walking around very dazed. Though Annalise did not remember the event, her friends and family said she was in a trance-like state. <laughs> See, when I was 16, I also blacked out at school. <laughs> That's because you were a minor alcoholic. A year later, Annalise experienced a similar occurrence where she woke up in a trance and wet her bed. Her body also went through a series of convulsions, causing her body to shake uncontrollably. So then they went to a doctor who suggested that they see a Jesuit. I don't know why. Um, he was like, look, clearly there's something spiritually wrong with your girl, so I can't help you. Well, before that, she went to see a neurologist, and that neurologist said she has basically epilepsy, which I have seen firsthand a seizure with my cousin when he really dealt with it as a kid. He would just enter a trance-like state. He would just kind of leave his body and would just stare blankly and then would come back and had no idea what happened. Which, funnily enough, me and my cousins were all playing together. It was me, another cousin, and then the cousin with epilepsy. And we were trying to knock down a wasp nest. And of course, as the wasp nest falls to the ground, somebody decides to have a seizure and is just standing there. So, of course, what do you think happened? He was stung so many times. So, Lol Annalise, she goes to that neurologist, right? She gets her diagnosis, and he says, I'm going to put you on some medicine. Well, after receiving that medicine in 1970, she started complaining of seeing faces of fratzen, or ghostly demonic beings. She saw them in the faces of people. She saw the faces of demons everywhere. She started having a lot of aversions to... And remember, this is a devoutly Catholic family. So there's Marys and Jesuses and uh, saints everywhere. Crosses, the crucifix. It's basically a church. And the mom starts noticing her aversion and staring at... Mother Mary, really, with a lot of hatred. And I, this is, I didn't read this in my article, but I heard it from the video that I watch, BuzzFeed Unsolved Mysteries. Hello, mysteries. They, from one of their sources, they said, the mom quoted seeing her eyes turn, <laughs> I think this is kind of stupid, I don't think it happened. Her eyes turned completely black. That's not the stupid part. And her hands seem to turn into large, beastly paws with claws. Now, I don't know about you. I don't think that happened. But Annalise believes now, everyone believes, because it's right. just not avoidable anymore, that she is possessed. And being possessed and believing that she was 
She did multiple things like ripping the clothes off of her body, compulsively performed up to 400 squats a day. Yeah, I fully believe that she was possessed now. She was not skipping leg day. (laughs) Crawled under a table and barked like a dog for two days. She also ate spiders and coal, bit the head off of a dead bird, and licked her own urine up from the floor. Mm, Not loving this. Yeah, well, no one would. So over the next 10 months, there are two priests who are trying to get exorcisms for Annalise, but the church will not approve it. Either there were two like differing stories. One told me that they didn't get it as approved as they were supposed to, if at all, and continued just to do it with the two priests and her in the room, which already is sketchy. Regardless of approval or not, exorcisms are being done with this girl. They conducted 67 exorcisms, lasting up to four hours on Annalise. Hmm. Through these sessions, Annalise revealed that she believed she was possessed by six demons, Lucifer, Cain, Judas Iscariot, or Iscariot, Adolf Hitler, Nero, and Fleischmann, a disgraced priest from the past. She's, the gang's all here. The gang is all here. Not only Lucifer and Cain, the ancient, and Judas, you've also got Emperor Nero, Adolf Hitler, and some other disgraced priests. This disgraced priest also was possessed, and they didn't, he was disgraced because he was revealing all kinds of things about people, and they were like, you're a creep, get out of here. So I've listened to quite a few, well, okay, I will not play it for you, but. Oh, should you play it? I mean, I kind of feel like we should play it. I'll play a very small clip. I listen, I watched this whole video with English translations. A lot of it didn't really make sense. I had to watch it on two times speed because I'm like, okay, let's pick up the conversation here. <laughs> like we're going just a little slow. She talks like this and I think we have to give them a little sample. Right. It's I mean, it's definitely creepy. However, I will say the priests are definitely, if she was just experiencing schizophrenia, the priests and nobody around her is helping that out. They are fully playing into this because they also believe it. And to me, it seems like even if the priest is genuinely asking these questions and wondering, he's feeding her answers almost. And she just says Mm. yes a lot. She's like, yeah. Yeah, because she's German. So, (laughs) listeners, if you would like to, I'm going to play about five to ten seconds of an audio, and I will be playing that now. Hi. You made it through the audio. Good for you. Or you made it past it. Good job. Oh, I don't like it. Uh, I don't like that. Yeah, it's not pleasant. 
to listen to in the slightest. It, I mean, it is a voice someone could put on, but it's so guttural. Right. And this is just your normal teenage girl. And she's talking like, ah, ah, like kind of really, it's, it's, it is, it is unnerving for sure. So. Oh, I got chills. (laughs) That is the only recordings we have of that. It's a cassette tape. We do have pictures, which I can share them with you, Bailey. You saw what she looked like, right? Sweet, Mm -hmm. normal. Yeah, she's really cute. Girl. Okay, I'll describe what I see to the listeners. So before she was possessed, um, she just looks like a very average teenage girl. Teenage girl, she's really cute. Um, she looks healthy, young, very fresh. After, she looks horrifying. She looks really emaciated. Her mouth appears to be bleeding. She has sores on her face. Her eyes are really sunken. Yeah, like you can see and she's got like really black eyes, like around her eyes, like as if someone's like punching. It looks like someone's punched her. Yeah. In this picture, she's being held by someone. It looks her like mother. she can't even sit up on her own. She looks like an entirely different person. Annalise is just getting weaker and weaker by the day. Uh, they, she eventually has a fiance. How she got that, I don't know. Being as so, while she was possessed, she yeah got engaged. Yeah, she sure did. So, in some point with her fiance, she is visited by the Virgin Mary. And the Virgin Mary asked her to do penance for lost souls. Shortly thereafter, Annalise agreed and the possession intensified. So, yeah. Yeah. Virgin Mary visits her and says, look, how about you take on some torment for some of these lost souls? Oh. So, like, sacrificing her Yes. Very, very much that. (laughs) She's got a, Annalise has a real problem with mothers. Her mother, Mother Mary, they're asking her to atone for sins that aren't hers. Can someone give this kid a break? Right. But we do see a parallel between that story of her mother and Mother Mary asking her for the same type of things. So though a lot of people still view Annalise as almost a unrecognized saint who went through a lot of torment so that other people didn't have to, which is sweet, I guess. Annalise eventually goes from a normal healthy weight to 68 pounds. Oh my gosh. And yeah, she's emaciated. They try to get her to eat and she says, no, I'm not going to eat. Either she refuses food as the demons or she refuses food because... She knows if she's in turmoil, the demons will be more likely to finish it out. Like I, like the demons want her to suffer, so she, they, 
they take over and refuse food to make her suffer. And then when she's in control, she also refuses food because she thinks if she suffers enough, then it'll end. Yeah, essentially. Um, They also are saying, like the priests and her parents are saying, look, like we need to take you to the doctor. She still refuses. So here's where we're left with 68 pound emaciated Annalise, who in this time is throwing people around the room with supernatural strength like her sister and she's you know drinking her own pee off the floor and they make her every exorcism they make her get in the she she kneels down every single day so eventually she is so weak that she can't even stand so her parents help her in the last exorcism to get down onto the floor and they carried her through the whole motions of the thing. But unfortunately, Annalise died on July 1st. Uh, it doesn't give me the year. Uh, she dies of severe dehydration, malnutrition, along with a high fever and pneumonia. Her final words to the exorcist were, beg for absolution. And to her mother, mother, I'm afraid. Oh, that's so sad. I know. It is really, really sad. So... I, there's a little bit more to this story. I I more think because of the medication that, and she already had epilepsy and this is the seventies. So not everything is up to par and still really isn't. I mean, uh, medicine has gone a lot farther than the seventies, but at this time, epilepsy still isn't really known about much. Uh, they don't really know what to do with it, and this medicine caused her to have schizophrenia-like symptoms. And being that her whole life is so devoted to atoning for her mother's sins and all of this, I mean, and you know, Bailey, the Catholic Church, as well as the Christian Church, really focuses in on hell and demons and how our torment here is because of our own sin and hellish forces. So I really believe that she was just suffering from mental illness and with everybody around her playing into this notion that she is possessed after she thinks she might be, that's what really set her off. And So you think like... The medication that she was given for the epilepsy, she had a reaction to it that caused her to hallucinate and have delusions. And then because her life was so centered around religion and because um, people were telling her that she was possessed, those delusions took on religious tones. Yes. Yeah. Which is very sad. Yeah. Because... But do you think possessions do happen? I'm uncertain. I, I, I don't know. Honestly, I, I'm caught in between. Perhaps they are, but in terms of making you feel a certain way, not like floating, levitating, like speaking different languages kind of things. They're more of like, like negative energy. 
right like a, a parasite to your mm-hmm. well-being also just like the other part of being caught in between is that there is a lot of untreated mental illness and it can uh, things that we can't explain often go under the guise of religious demonic possession or something that has to do with something as an outside force. Right. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So, and I mean, and like religion can be something that's helpful and comforting to people, but any system of belief can be abused or misinterpreted. And there have been cases like this that could quite possibly have been mental illness um, or cases of people even being queer and being exercised for that, right? Sometimes people, when they don't understand something, in their effort to try to understand it, they can be harmful. Right. And oftentimes the church will use the unexplainable to explain the unexplainable. It's it's sad to me that this poor girl, um, her story will continue, but the church has very dealt into the abuse of power by putting a lot of notions into our heads, like including mine, to when I was younger, I really was searching for any reason on how to get rid of being gay. And I came across some crazy zealot-like person on YouTube who said, if you are experiencing same-sex attraction, then you are possessed by demons and you need to go into the mirror right now, right in this moment, and cast them out in Jesus' name. And me being an impressionable 15-year-old, maybe 16, is exactly what I tried to do. And nothing happened. Nothing changed. Right. But my mom did come in on me trying to exercise myself. (laughs) She heard me talking in the bathroom, I guess, and just opened the door and said, what are you doing? And I said, praying out loud. And she said, oh. I like to look at myself when I pray. And she just walked away, closed the door. I looked at myself in the mirror. And I was waiting, too, for something to, like, jump out of me, see something in my eyes, see something behind me. And it didn't. But that still, to this day, it it seemed, I mean, it is a funny story sometimes. But also, I look back, and that's just really sad. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's sad that you felt like you had to do that. That you felt like you were broken when you weren't. Which is why I think I connect to Annalise in a way of she was experiencing something that could have just been treated as normal, like a mental illness, and she didn't get that chance fully. Yeah. you both Not that being gay is a mental illness. No, I know, but you both just needed to be approached with love, probably. Yeah. So, yeah. I... I I don't think she was possessed, given the facts that her six demons were these very negative people and biblical figures like Lucifer. Right, like famous people that she would have heard about a lot. 
Nero Fleischman. Like, come on. It, and also that her delusions mirrored things that were happening in her life. Like, right. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I think there's there has to be many instances in which exorcisms were performed on people that were not possessed. I kind of do think that possessions do happen. I just think they're really, really rare. And I don't know. I don't really know what it is. I think eventually we might be able to explain this stuff, but right now, you know, there there are some cases that we just can't explain, and I think that's what, like, freaks me out a little bit about it. Yeah, because <laughs> it is so prevalent throughout history and still today, and not even just with Christianity. It dates back to even, like, the Mesopotamian era of them having wax figures to represent demons and they would burn them to exorcise them from people or themselves. So it's an old ancient thing, which I really do think it has merit to it. I still get scared of it <laughs> till this day. I mean, that's what I was, I've always been way more afraid of the quote unquote supernatural, like ghosts and demons and things like that than an axe murderer or right. serial killers because one you can kill one you got to go through a whole step of religious trauma to get rid of and it might not even work right <laughs> it might not even work even the priests say it might not even work <laughs> so yeah it's just and we know a lot less about it right afterwards to circle back the parents and priests were harshly criticized for their role in annalise's death in particular several medical specialists noted that if Annalise had been force-fed even a week before her death, she would have basically most likely lived through this experience. However, Annalise played an important part in her own fate. She turned it down. They could have forced her to do it, but she has her own rights. Yeah, but I think there comes a point when it's a child, especially, right, where you have to make the decision to help them. You know, I'm a yeah. nanny, and sometimes the kids that I watch really want to do things like eat sponges. But, right. But, and it's within their right to choose what goes in their bodies, but I'm not going to let them eat a sponge. <laughs> sure. But to the law, Annalise still played a role in, in turning down the medical attention and being fed. So they weren't judged as harshly. Annalise, even herself, didn't want to eat, much less be force-fed, because she had been intent on dying for others' sins. She was a martyr. So the case came to the trial on March 30th, 1978, with an intense public interest, obviously, about the four defendants, the mom, the dad, the pastor, and the priest, uh, doctors testified that Annalise had been suffering from psychological effects of an exceptionally harsh upbringing, while the bishop who had okayed her exorcism noted that he had been unaware of her health condition, which there's a lot of shady things in here too. Also noted in the BuzzFeed video, apparently one of the priests also had schizophrenia. So. 
It was just a room of unqualified people. Right. Uh, in the end, all four were found guilty of negligent homicide Good. and sentenced to six months in prison, suspended with three years probation. Although the prison time was later waived, the Michelles or Michaels paid the cost of three-week trial while the priest only faced minor fines. Uh, yeah, the church always gets out of things. <laughs> it was more on the parents' fault, I guess. I uh, So later, the last thing with Annalise, besides being turned into a movie, a nun, I forget where she was, saw Annalise in a vision and said that the body was still intact inside of the coffin. She had a vision that her body hasn't deteriorated at all. And that was going to kind of prove something was up with this girl. But when they dug the coffin out, they opened it up. She had decomposed just like anybody else. Wait, so they this one person has a dream and they're like, you know what? Let's dig her up. Let's yes. check. Just you... You had a dream, so the family as well. They they look they dig her up and they open it up and she's oh decomposed God. just like any other person. And it's just wild to me. I I mean that's there's a lot more to her story, a lot more that I didn't really find in all of my articles. I I mean I spanned quite quite a few. Uh, there is some truth. Some not. I really feel for her. I don't think she was possessed. Yeah. I think the lesson is here. If you think someone might be possessed, try approaching them with love and help before you tie them to a chair and quote the Bible at them. Just try it. Right. See what happens. Yeah. Take them to a doctor. Just, you know. I feel... I do think possession in some form exists, whether that's negative energy or negative entities that we don't know enough about. And I do think it 100% makes for lovely horror stories Yes, that we both enjoy. Mm -hmm. What What are your thoughts? Yeah, like I said, I think, I, I think possession happens. I think there are entities that exist beyond what we currently understand. I do think that... It's very rare, and I think that it's often, you know, cases of mental illness or physical illness are often misinterpreted, especially historically, but still happen today. And I think um, the lesson here is lead with love. God, that sounds so cheesy. But uh, try love first. Try help first. Try, you know, try everything before you try exorcism <laughs> yeah and uh we should really be spicing up communion at the end of the day if you're gonna go to church we look if you're listen i'm talking to you if you are someone out there who goes to church what i want you to take from this is that you should bring up that you should switch from the oyster crackers to a garlic crouton so i hope you're not too scared I'm still scared, I have to say. I've been hearing a lot of noises Ooh. that I probably already heard that I'm just paying extra attention to. I hope you don't have, dear listener, too many chills running up and down your spine or too many nightmares after this. 
However, if you do, it's a scary world out there. So hold on to the people you love. Bye. Bye.